0: What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, howdy,
1: everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Hive Jive. How are you, Mr. Milam? I'm doing wonderful on yourself, sir. Doing wonderful as well. Uh, we have some new Patreon members that have joined us in the month of May, and we want to give a shout-out to them real quick. We've had some pre-recorded special episodes and interviews and stuff here this month, and so it's we, we're a little bit behind on our shout-outs. But we wanted to go real quick and say thank you so much to the following individuals who have joined us out there as part of our Patreon family to support the show. So thank you to Peggy T, Chef John, Nicole C, Paula R., And Michael H., thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. All of the support from Patreon obviously goes to keep the show itself going, keep us being able to put out these free episodes on Mondays for everybody for beekeeping information and just to kind of provide infotainment, as Ken says, to the masses out there. So we really, really, really do appreciate it. And then also it helps us to create all the bonus content and the additional information and episodes that
0: are on Patreon itself. So much obliged. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have fun doing this, and that's what it's all about. Except when the dang things sting me. I don't have fun about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the,
1: the main part of today's episode is literally ripped straight from the headlines. Um, I've titled the episode, The Perils of Shipping, and this is in regards to an article that is currently floating around out there in people's news feeds about a whole ton of bees that died because they were left in a UPS truck. And uh, the main article, did you have a chance to, to peek at that?
0: I looked at it and I went, what, as soon as I saw it, I didn't read it. As soon as I saw it, I remembered what was it, five or six years ago when the bees were coming through Austin and that 18-wheeler had a wreck, And but now that was on a flatbed. I didn't see that this was a covered trailer. Oh, well, no, this is different entirely. So this isn't
1: somebody had an accident. This is negligence is what this is. So the the article reads, a shipment containing over a million bees was held up for weeks in a hot delivery truck due to packaging, quote-unquote, According to UPS, it was due to the packaging that they held it in the truck. Um, And most of the bees unfortunately died. So this was actually a shipment from Man Lake that was supposed to be going out to the New England area. So it was going from Pennsylvania to New England and it contained packages. And if we stop and consider how many bees are in a package, there's roughly 10,000 bees in a package. And if you're saying there was... Over a million bees in there, then you're looking at roughly 100 packages that were being transported out to the New England states to be, you know, people's first packages or, you know, increasing their apiaries and such. And a problem with packaging. Now, the the article unfortunately doesn't go too in depth into this, but it just says there was a problem with the packaging. So they left it in the truck. (laughs) I don't quite understand why you would do that and you know there was they they interviewed a couple of people and and they said well you know if they would have reached out to somebody any beekeeper in immediately or within a short amount of time all of the bees could have been saved but the bigger concern and question for me is what exactly was the problem with the packaging because packages literal true packages of bees if that's what these were are either in a wooden framed box with screen wire mesh all the way around it, or they're in a solid plastic molded box that has ventilation built into it all the way around it. And you can see straight through both of them and you can see they're full of bees and they usually just slap the shipping labels on the tops of them Mm -hmm. as to where they're going. And a lot of times they arrive to the depot center and then you've got to go pick them up from the depot center. So to be left in a delivery truck, Is a huge negligence on the part of UPS, and it's not the first time that even myself has encountered negligence on the part of UPS when it comes to shipping bees or shipping live creatures. And it's not also to say that it doesn't happen with other shipping methods, because for instance, you had a package that came this year that was supposed
0: to come through the post office, right? And it ended up being packages. Yeah, and they they were hella delayed. They were weak. Weaker, week or better delayed and I knew they'd be dead, but when they got here, uh, they had put enough nectar or two to one, I guess it's two to one. No, it's gotta be even heavier. It's a, that. it's a syrup they had put in the can. Food, yeah. In the can and they were, everybody was live. I mean, I could not believe it. In fact, they're doing great across the road in the in their eight frame fruit boxes.
1: Yeah, and so like with the the United States Postal Service at the moment, there's a lot of concerns, there's a lot of delays, there's a lot of perceived sabotage going on from the upper levels where they're reducing staff and removing automated sorting machines and like purposefully trying to make it even more complicated and, and like kill the whole system, which really sucks for everybody that is on the other end of that relying on, you know, the continuation and continuality of, of how that is supposed to function and work. And your bees were a casualty of that. Plus the COVID pandemic going on and, and all of the concerns and issues that that's caused and delays. And so But your bees arrived and they arrived alive. And that is more than likely due to the fact that the United States Postal Service did not leave them sitting inside of a metal truck for days on end. They would put them in the truck, drive them to a location, then put them inside the location. And then they set and then they put them back in the truck and drive them, you know, like they were at least inside an air conditioned building or inside an air conditioned vehicle. The the problem with UPS is that they literally left them. In that big brown truck for weeks wow. until they were all dead, they got hot. right? And that's that is something that similar has happened to me. It was about three years ago. Uh, I had a shipment of twenty queens coming, and they were coming overnight via UPS. And the next morning, you know, they were supposed to arrive by ten a.m. the next morning, and I waited and I waited and I waited, and they never arrived. and And the delivery person showed up, dropped off other packages did not have that package left. No, no. And I was like, where's that package? So I started looking into it. I called them. I called their customer service to try to figure out what had happened. And UPS told me, oh, sorry, that one's been delayed. It'll actually be here tomorrow. And I was like, okay, we'll come to find out. Long story short, they left it. The the plane that it was supposed to be on was left sitting on the tarmac with everything in the cargo hold in the middle of summer oh no so they roasted mm-hmm. and this what should have been an overnight delivery ended up getting there the next day after it was supposed to arrive and every single bee queens and nurse bees attendants every bee was dead as a doornail and when the when the gentleman showed up to deliver them he rushed in set it down and tried to rush back out And I was like, oh, hang on. I need to check this and make sure that everything's good. These were delayed. I got to make sure, you know, like live arrival. And it even says on there, you know, live animals, you know, caution, live bees, keeping a cool ventilated space. And he wouldn't stay. He immediately left back out and got in his truck and left (laughs) because he knew they were dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that was a that was a huge cluster. And I was very pissed off and went round and round and round with, ups and went round and round and round with the uh, individuals that had actually shipped the bees out and the the people that shipped them they ended up having to eat the cost for it and make it right because ups refused to take any responsibility for it and wow. yeah and it, it just kind of sucks so for this to also be another instance where ups has screwed over and screwed up and done it in such an epic fashion because why would you leave them in the damn truck and what what is the the problem with the shipping? Like, did the label come off and you didn't know where they go? If that's the case, why didn't you leave them at the depot? Why are they sitting in your truck? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just frustrating. Um, and it's frustrating because obviously all those individuals now are not going to get their packages of bees. If the, like, I don't know, because we know Man Lake doesn't raise their own bees. Man Lake is, is buying and reselling those. Basically they've got other people that are raising them. And then they're just the sourcing Avenue that people all go. there as a one-stop shop purchase their stuff. And then Man Lake acts as the go through or the go between or the pass through. And uh, those bees are coming from other places like Georgia, for instance. So mm-hmm. they've already been packaged up shipped. Then they get to Man Lake, they get reallocated to where they're going to go packaged back up and shipped again. And that can is only really designed to provide them with enough feed for maybe five days maximum. And it depends on just how hungry they are. And once it's gone, it's gone. But there's nothing to protect them from overheating. And if they're left in a hot vehicle or a hot cargo hold of a plane, they're going to die. It doesn't matter how much food they have or not. And then when you take them and you leave them there for several weeks, well, they ran out of food at the end of the first week. And then they burn through what little food reserves they have left in their body. And by the time you get them, they may not be alive, you know, when it's all said and done. And I know that we've got some listeners to the show Mm -hmm. that had some serious issues with packages this year that they had purchased and the bees showed up dead. And it wasn't that they were necessarily delayed by, you know, multiple weeks, like in this news article, but they were mishandled. And, Proper shipping guidelines for live-held creatures was not followed the way that it should be, and they showed up on the brink of death, died soon after, or were dead on arrival. And it's a very frustrating and sad predicament to be in for certain.
0: Yes, and uh, I was scared to death. I knew my bees were going to be dead. They they had been gone. You know, it was a week to see they were shipped out on a Thursday, and I am I was supposed to get them. I was supposed to get them Saturday morning. Well, it was Thursday the following week that I got them. And I said, there ain't no way they can be alive. Opened them up. They wasn't a half a handful in the bottom dead. And I'm sitting there. "There Ain't no way. Opened them up, dumped them in the, in the, the brood boxes. There was about a half, about a half a handful, handful of dead ones in the bottom. And that was it. Just because they had put enough sugar in the can. Now one of them had I drank it all. One of them was, it was empty. The other one, they had taken it down. And there was probably a quarter of a can left in there. So if it had been just a, another few days, now I wouldn't have had live bees, but I got them. They're live and they're doing, ha- they're doing well. And uh, it was, they came out of Georgia. Yeah. Now something you mentioned
1: there is something else that's always perplexed me. They shipped out on Thursday. And you were supposed to receive them by Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't quite understand, especially with now, it, it's different if it's FedEx or UPS because they do deliver, you know, seven days a week, but the post office does not. And like couriers typically don't run on a Sunday either. There's some companies out there that have their shipping specifically set up to accommodate and Take into consideration, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. when the peak shipping times are and the most likelihood for arriving on time. And they will only ship things at the beginning of the week to ensure that they've got plenty of time to arrive before the weekend. Because the last thing that you want is for there to be a delay And now all of a sudden it's Sunday and they're literally just going to sit wherever they're at because we don't work on Sunday. So the, the concept of picking and packing on a Wednesday, Thursday and shipping out on a Thursday, Friday makes zero sense to me because that's setting yourself up for the weekend and for potential failure. And that one is, that's always been a perplexing thing. There may be some logic to it. Maybe there's, you know, less shipments going through so you you have more of an opportunity or maybe that's just how their week goes they start off and as the week in gets closer they're like oh we got to get this done and that's just the day they go to town to do it I don't know but it would seem to me like it would be better to go out there and pick the queens pick the bees that you need get them ready get them packaged on Sunday Monday and ship them out on Monday Tuesday as opposed to Thursday Friday yeah
0: it would I don't know Uh, you know I got them all. They were shipped on Thursday. And I, when I didn't get them Saturday, that's why i said, well, I'll get them Monday. You know, <laughs> I, I called them and I said, where's my bees? Oh, I bet yours was in that Atlanta bunch that got set on the on the uh, receiving, you know, the, do- the, do- the dock. And uh, they had left outside on the dock for a while. And I said, well. She says, if they're dead, when they get here, call us, we'll, we'll take care of them. Uh, That's okay. And when they got there, everybody was happy. I texted them and told them if everybody's good and they were thrilled as I was. So, yeah. Well, good. Well, anyhow, so that, that is kind of the,
1: you know, the long and the short of that. It is also though, one of the reasons why I have never bothered to try to ship bees either. You know, I go through and I didn't do it so much this year, actually. Um, But in years past, I was raising my Gen 2 of the Russian carniolan bees. And sometimes I would order in bulk and I would end up with excess queens that I didn't necessarily need. And I would go through and resell them to like the local area. If I knew people or beekeepers associations, I'd let them know, Hey, I happen to have an excess of bees. If you've got any members that might be interested, I can either deliver them to them or I can come to your next meeting and they can purchase them there. You know, I've done that before, but I've had people that have, you know, listened to the show or people that know that I've sold them in the past or they see them on the website and they're, and they're they don't realize that it is just local delivery only. And they're like, hey, do you have any more of those Russians or the Russian carniolans? Or are you still raising your own bees and, and selling them? And if so, you know, can we purchase some? And the answer for me has always been, if I have to ship them, then no. Because all of this stuff that we just talked about, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the headache of <laughs> me having something that started off in perfect quality. And then I put it in somebody else's hands who doesn't give a shit and they mishandle it, and it dies, and then the end customer is upset, but then you've got to go back and replace that. And if you only, like if it was a, a resell type scenario, like say I ordered 100 queens, and I only ended up needing 75 of them, and I've got 25 left, and I go to the local area meeting, and I sell 20 of those, and I've only got five left, And then I have a couple of people that are going to come and pick some up. And I've got one random person that says, hey, ship me a queen. And I ship that queen out to them. And then the other people come and pick up theirs. Well, now I'm out of queens. And then something happens with that shipment and the queen dies. Mm -hmm. And that one person says, hey, I need a replacement. Well, there's not a replacement. I sold all of the ones that were available. And in that scenario, I may not have been raising that queen. So I can't just go out there and raise you a new one and ship it to you. And even if I did raise you a new one, that's going to be 20 days minimum before she is emerged, mated, and that's not even testing her laying pattern. If you want the laying pattern to be tested to make sure she was mated properly, that's a month before you get your replacement queen. Now, obviously, if you're a big queen breeder, And that's all you're doing every day is raising queens. And so every, every day or every week you're going out there and you're picking these mated queens and you're moving other queens into mating nukes and you're doing all this stuff. That's a little bit of a different story. But for the, for the little guys out there, it's not necessarily, mm, the word escapes me. (laughs) It's not feasible. It's not necessarily a feasible feasible thing to do. So it just, it's, that's something that I've always shied away from. Like, um, I've even had before, you know, Jacobs asked if, uh, if pete- perhaps if I had any of those, I could ship them up there so he could try them. And I was like, <laughs> not happening. I'm not putting bees in the mail because it just, you never know what can end up happening to them. And, uh, and I don't want to be on the, the other end of that. And I also like, I don't want to be on the other end of if you're raising Queens specifically to sell them. Falling into that trap of well, I need to get these out, and then you end up in a situation where sometimes productivity starts to out outpace or outweigh quality. You know, and and we've talked many times about some of the big queen breeders around us that their queens are freaking tiny when you get them compared to the size of a virgin queen that I raise on my own she comes out of that cell and she's bigger than their fully mated queen, you know, and and that's because of the stress of, of mass production whenever that happens. And are they mated well? And how long have they been banked? And, you know, all these other concerns that come in there. But yeah, shipping can be an absolute nightmare. And if you are taking your business in a direction where it, you know, is going to be something along the lines where you're going to be potentially shipping bees, it is definitely something to take into consideration how much is going to cost you, um, which different shipping industry leaders are going to best suit your needs, which ones have the best feedback and reviews when it comes to live shipments of things, which ones have the most chance for error, (laughs) leaving your bees in a truck for three weeks. Um, Mm. All of those things need to be taken into consideration. But, you know, shipping honey stresses me out enough putting a glass jar into a box and knowing that it doesn't matter if it says fragile or not. And people on the other end are just going to throw shit around and drop it and kick it. And God knows what else, you know, I, some of the state that the boxes have shown up in at my house when they arrive makes you wonder how anything inside of it ever survived. So I get like anal retentive when it comes to packaging, when I ship something out, (laughs) like it's got, and, and overabundance and over caution of shipping material packed in around it. So to make sure, hopefully it survives the shipment. And uh, so far everything has, but yeah, shipping is a nightmare, man.
0: Some of my stuff that comes in, they, they put a lot of packing in them.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then you have the opposite. This, this doesn't have anything to, to do with bees specifically, but this just cracks me up unless you're ordering something from Amazon. <laughs> if you're ordering it from Amazon it can be the size of a toothbrush and it's going to show up in a box that could fit, you know, like a baseball bat. And there may be a thin swath of Brown paper crunched up in there to pat it quote unquote. Um, I ordered a new thermal camera and it showed up yesterday. And the, the thermal camera box is three inches by four inches mm-hmm. by two inches could have fit in a medium box it was in a box like so this, this is a this like if i put it in the palm of my hand it can set in the palm of my hand and my fingertips come out the other side you know it doesn't even fully cover my hand mm-hmm. and it was in the box the size of a shoe box and it didn't have any padding in it whatsoever and it's a freaking camera <laughs> so you know it can go either way um obviously it, it showed up it was okay it, it's all good to go but um, yeah, anyhow. So the, so that that was the whole rant of, of the story. I saw this article yesterday and then uh, my mom forwarded it to me this morning as well. And I was like, you know what? Well, that's that's kind of fresh on the mind. It's something that's happened to me before. I know it's happened to you. It's happened to multiple listeners out there where things have gotten delayed or they didn't show up in the condition that we would have wanted because of neglect or mishandling or or true issues and delays that were out of anybody's control which I don't think this one was out of anybody's control. That's the sad part. But so I thought uh, we would bring it up and and just kind of hash it out here as something that is
0: relevant in the news currently today. There's something going on right now. I'm I'm seeing a lot in my catching on emails. There's a bunch of the uh, bee producers sending out, you know, that you can buy your packages from last weekend to buy packages. You got to get your packages ordered now and to have them shipped by the end of Well, this was earlier in the week by the end of May, but the only bad part about that, the reason my bees made it was they came in, I guess they were shipped to me in late March. I was going to say yours, yours got there in April. I thought. Yeah, it was cool. You know, it didn't get hot yet. Right. Right now. If you ordered bees right now, you see these emails. We got bees. If you want a box, we're cutting you a deal reason they're cutting you that deal so they've got too many bees they don't want to sit there and over feed them over the summer or do whatever they got to do they're trying to dump them and then if they get picked up by ups one of the shippers post office or whoever you're hoping they don't keep them an extra day or two in the mail because if they're outside or in a truck they're gonna die it's going it's too hot now yeah Well, see
1: that even comes to like, um, on our honey cells, for instance, I have the chunk comb honey in a jar Mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And people all the time want me to ship it. Well, when we harvest that comb each year, it's usually the mid to late part of July or the very beginning of August, which in Texas means it's a minimum of a hundred degrees. If I put a jar of comb honey in anything and try to ship it in July and August, the wax is going to liquefy and melt Mm -hmm. before it ever gets to you. Just from a few hours in a delivery truck or setting on a tarmac in a plane at a hundred degrees outside, that metal container is going to be far hotter than that on the inside and it's going to liquefy it. So we won't ship anything like that during those months. And there's a lot of people that sell wax for your, your colonies and stuff. And they won't ship them during the hottest month of the year and they won't ship them during the coldest months of the year because the wax gets brittle and turns to basically glass and breaks if it's too cold and if it's too hot, it melts. And they'll they'll put cautions on there the rest of the time, just so you know, in your area, it could be hotter or colder. And if we ship during certain times of the year, this could happen and we're not responsible for it if it does. So on my website, I specifically have it on there where if you buy the jar of the chunk comb honey, it's local pickup and delivery only from basically mid may all the way through mid september because it's simply just too hot to risk putting it in a truck and mailing it so and that's usually when we harvest it so most of the time it's not even available in stock to be shipped in the time frame of you know when it could be season wise when it actually could safely be shipped we don't have any in stock that stuff sells out you know, we'll, we'll end up having maybe five cases of comb honey, potentially from any comb that we cut out and do that with and got it. It's gone. Like as soon as I put it up, Hey, we've got our, our this year's comb honey for the season. I have people that are like, I want 10 jars. And I'm like, wow, save some for somebody else.
0: <laughs> you got much, you got much. Uh, do you have much honey put up already from last year?
1: Yeah, from last year and the the only reason is because of COVID, honestly. When when COVID took out the restaurants and took out a lot of the sh- the shops and the stores, the bulk of the honey that I produce gets sold either in a retail establishment from these little mom and pop shops around the Central Texas area mm-hmm. or is used in food production in one main restaurant here in Austin with everything shutting down last year what normally would have been you know on average a gallon a week Mm -hmm. going to the restaurant didn't happen because the restaurant wasn't open for a good chunk of the year and then when they did open they had a limited menu you know they i think they ordered between last year and the beginning of this year a sum total of maybe three to four gallons of honey period and normally they go through three gallons of honey in a month so wow yeah it 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 drastically cut back on that, so that ended up with me having a surplus, which was really kind of funny because harvest wise last year, we harvested less honey than we had in the years before, but I ended up with a huge excess in surplus because the demand in my supply chain for well, not the supply chain, but the well, actually, so supply chain's causing a problem too, but that's a different story my my outflow all of the, the retail places that normally would carry it and sell it were closed down and then they didn't need any right. restocking. So therefore I didn't have to do that. So it ended up just being the individuals that know me and come to me directly and order, you know, anywhere from one to 12 at a time on different things. Um, those are really the only ones that I I had to deal with. So I do have actually still a surplus from last year. And usually we sell out of all of our honey. If if it hasn't been sold out by the time the holiday season hits, it's usually completely gone by February. And then we go March, April, May with nothing until we start getting little bits of trickle that come in. And those are usually when I do things like like what I did for Larry and you um, last year, year before last, where I went out there to do an inspection and I pulled out this one frame that didn't have any foundation to it. And they had built this beautiful piece of fresh virgin wax and they had just immediately started capped it full of early spring nectar and and it was all capped and ready to go and i cut that one comb out and did it as like a novelty specialty like here's something rare that you're not going to find very often because usually we got to wait until it's all ready to go Mm -hmm. so but on the on the supply chain part though something that i've run into now is a lot of the manufacturers are still trying to catch up and still having issues and there's a lot of production and, and shipping delays on vital equipment that you need, or in this case, jars. So I use two very specific types of jars for my honey. I use a Paragon jar for all of my infusions, and then I use a Hexagon jar for my just raw, regular spring, summer, and winter honey. And the Paragon jars have been out of stock for months at this point. The smaller size, which I used kind of as a caveat, went out of stock last year and I never got it. It's been on backorder continuously. And then this year I have not been able to get a restock of the regular size. So I've, I'm going from my regular supply chain over now to like twice removed, trying to find that style of jar. And if I can't find it, then I'm going to end up having to change the jar. But the the crappy part about that is if I change the jar... I have to redo everything, which is why I'm reluctant to do that because all of the labels are pre-printed with the exact measurement size that would fit that specific jar. If you change the jar, you got to then go and change the label. Then you got to reprint the labels, which invalidates all the former labels. You can keep them and hope that your original jar someday comes back into stock and you can reuse it again. But if not, you've just wasted all those labels and all that money and I don't want to do that. (laughs) So, so in the, in the world of like the infused honey, for instance, I have infused honey that's done and ready to go, but I can't put it in anything because the jars that I normally put it in are perpetually backordered. And so that puts you into kind of a different scenario where you're like, well, crap. In in this case, I've got the product, but I don't have anything to put the product in. So therefore I still can't sell it. So it's on backorder on my website which is really odd because you're like, but you got the honey. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I just can't put it in anything or I can, but then I got to create a new label and I don't want to, cause I don't want to print up a ton of new labels, you know, for something that could potentially be temporary. So I will ultimately have to make a decision here at some point and uh, suck it up and, and commit, but I don't know what that's going to look like yet. Okay. <laughs> that was not the, uh, the, the answer. You didn't, you didn't think your question was going to cause a tangent, huh?
0: <laughs> no. i'm sitting here okay no reason i was asking because i've had several uh restaurant owners come through fishing with us and uh, they're looking for honey and i said yeah i think i can find you some i've told two or three of them contact you well yeah the the
1: the trick though is because in bulk like i
0: i've only ever done
1: yeah and i've only done that one restaurant because if i like i'm not I'm not a a big guy that has 2000 hives out there. So Mm. I'm not going to be able to supply any restaurant that just comes along and and wants to do it. And the only thing that I did is I did flirt with the idea of expanding to one other chain here in town. That's a local chain, but it's a chain. They've got four locations and that scared the hell out of me because I looked at what my one single mom and pop restaurant does you know, that average of three gallons a month. And then I looked over at what these people were potentially going to want to supply for four restaurants. And I was already like, well, I might have enough honey to do this, but if I do, I'll never have any honey to sell to anybody else.
0: This has six restaurants.
1: Yeah, see, exactly. Impossible.
0: And it's, um, and it's very big. You've heard of it, but I won't say on there. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, and that's why I'm, I'm purposely not mentioning names on, mm. on here either. But but yeah, you know, that that's why I was like, no, that, that'd be impossible because then, yes, I'm selling it to these other places and my name gets out there, but what's the point of your name getting out there if people can't come them. to you and you can't give them anything because yep. you're giving it all to the restaurants? And when you yep. do that, you're also losing money because when you do it for the restaurant, you're doing it in bulk. You're doing it at a Mm -hmm. gallon minimum at at a time. So you're selling it at, you know, pennies on the dollar, not literally, but kind of um, what you would make for the other. So for instance, a gallon of honey is 12 pounds. And if you did just the, even the the simplest hypothetical $10 a pound on, and if it was in individual jars, that's $120 worth of honey if you sold it yourself to another individual, and that's minimum because I my jars are actually altogether two ounces shy of a pound, which means the actual honey weight inside the jar ends up only being about 12.5 ounces of honey instead of the full 16 ounces of honey to make a full pound. But we sell that jar at $10, which is higher than the $10 per pound average, but it's taken into consideration. It's a glass jar, it's a metal lid, it's fancy looking, and it's reusable. Or you could, you know, a lot of people that actually know me and they're here locally, they'll bring the jar back and I'll, I'll exchange it out and then they get a discount on the honey going forward from there as well. So you could make a minimum of $120 on that one gallon of honey. But if you sell it as a gallon to somebody who's going to reuse it or use it into food, you're not selling it for $120. You're not even selling it for half of that. So you're losing potential income and having a ton of your product go out the door in bulk. And it, it just, you know, again, unless you are a reseller or unless you have thousands of hives and you're making, you know, drums that are 480 gallons each of honey, multiples of this, and you've got a warehouse of it, you can't really afford to do that. And I mean, it's again, it's a great way to get your name out there, but what's the point of having your name out there if people can't come to you and get your product? So it makes it tricky. Uh, most of the other places that sell my honey are selling it in the jar. The restaurant was the only one that was using it in bulk for cooking purposes. They, they would put it into some of their mixtures, some of their drinks, and then they would also put it on their cheese plate where they would do like a charcuterie plate and they would have a slice of our honeycomb and some honey drizzled over the top of stuff. So... And then they also would put it in there, some of their, like for breakfast, when they did brunch, they would have a little container of honey and you could choose maple syrup or honey to put on your stuff as well. So it's tricky. It really is when you get into that. That's why I'm always cautious to overpromise. I don't want to overpromise to to anybody when it comes to a lot of that stuff. So I will purposely be really restrained in what I say I can and can't do for certain individuals like that. And I'm always very hesitant when it comes to these bigger things. And yes, that stifles growth, but at the same time, it, it is that fine line between, I don't want to have more than 50 hives. Like Mm -hmm. it's too much on top of all the other shit that I do that I probably don't need to do. It's too much to have 200, 300, 400 hives and manage that on top of everything else that's going on. Now, If I stopped everything else and just focused on the one aspect, sure, maybe I could do that and bring on a couple of employees just to help with that. Um, You know, like I brought on employees to help with the removal business because that just got insane and out of hand. And it's just, there's so many things that, that go on that you have to try to keep in balance. And if you end up getting in with all these different supply chains, for instance, and you are exporting all of your honey to these major chains and restaurants, well, then what are you going to do if you don't produce that much honey? Well, the next logical thing is, if you want to do it, you start buying honey. And I've that's, that's the way that a lot of these big name individuals here in, in our area have gone. They started off producing their own honey. The demand for their honey outgrew the supply that they could keep up with on their honey. So mm-hmm. they started then sourcing from other local beekeepers. But then when that exhausted and they couldn't keep up with that, Then they went out further and they started sourcing from the state. And then when that was exhausted and they couldn't keep up with that, because again, the demand kept growing because they then got themselves a contract with a major chain, you know, like Walmart. Mm -hmm. Then they turn around and they start buying wholesale from anywhere they can get it because they've got to keep up with the demand. The supply has to match the demand. And suddenly they don't have their own hives anymore, or they have, a small handful of hives just so they can claim they still have hives and they may have their own boutique pure honey. That's theirs that they sell in their own storefront in that one spot. But everything else that you find with their label on it all across the world is not truly their honey. They just bought it and packaged it and labeled it as theirs. And I don't want to be that person. (laughs) So it ain't happening.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then, uh, so yeah, that's something that's happening up here. I won't mention names, but uh, they, their company, I think, is fixing to start producing mead. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. And once it all ha- is out there and said and done, then we may talk about it. But they're going to be making a lot of mead.
1: Well, from what I understand, the original honey company sold out and are being bought by a company that makes mead nothing but mead yep Yep. and so whether or not that brand of honey is ever seen again or is exactly like what i said it ends up being a specialty boutique that you can only find in one little location from their own little smathering of hives uh, Mm -hmm. that may be it but you're not going to find it in in our hebs and kroger's and walmart's and all that kind of stuff anymore Uh,
0: yeah. And I've already yep. been noticing I'm not seeing it in them now in the big box stores. So, yeah. So, anyway, I was just yeah. thinking, I know I, I had one bunch come through and he wanted three or four gallons to make mead with. And I gave him your number. So, I don't know if he ever got a hold of you, but I knew you had plenty of honey right now because of last year. And then I'm hoping this year with all the rain and the flowers I'm seeing. Except in Mason, where don't have the flowers in Mason and I still haven't moved bees over there. So, but well, we have plenty of them here around Lano County, plenty. It's going to be good. Well, fingers crossed. I hope that's the case. Yep. yep. Well, sir, is
1: there anything else you want to bring up and chat about?
0: No, not offhand. Everything's good. Except if anybody knows a good bee suit for a big headed redneck. That is getting tired of getting his chin stung. Let me know or John know, and he'll get in touch with me. i got to find a new bee suit. <laughs> I'm starting to swell up way too much. Preferably ventilated, fully ventilated. Yeah, ventilated. Oh yes. Fully ventilated. Yes. I can't handle the heat.
1: Very good. All right. Well, sir, uh, I guess we'll wrap this bad boy up then for another week. And we will be back with everybody next week to chat some more. And until then, everybody out there, be good and stay
0: safe. Let's take care of each other, just like the bees do. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.